busting cops in the mix. Better be judged by drug, being carried by six. Cause I'm getting made. Get packed here. Move the scouts, hey. Told all my friends. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 877-37-GRIND. All right, keeping it moving here. Um, so we finished the go-ahead. There's your over-under totals. A couple other NFL news and notes. Um we spoke, talking preseason. The Colts have made a decision to go ahead and start Anthony Richardson. They're going to give him a start. Um, we talked about this quite often the last couple of weeks in regards to him besides the Jonathan Taylor situation. Um, me personally, I do feel that all signs from everything I've heard from OTAs to mini camps and now to training camps, at this point, I would be – I would, you know, early when camp started, OTAs, there was reports saying like, well, we could see why Ursay made those comments and the reason why Guard Minshew was signed. Then all of a sudden, as weeks keeps going, I'm hearing about these throws. There's a throw that he made to Pittman, you know, day three or so in camp, and he's taking all one day. He took all the starter reps. Everything I'm hearing is that most likely I will, I would, I'm to the point where I'll be surprised at this point if he's not the starter week one. Um, I think just for the pure standpoint, if you look at one of their competitors and rivals in the division of the South, speaking of the Texans, and you know, we're, you know, CJ Stroud's going to make his debut tonight. But I think also it comes down to that puts a little pressure on the Colts to be like, hey, we can't let CJ Stroud get a heads up on Anthony. We, we've got to go ahead and basically give them the opportunities and you just go through the growing pains. So to me, it's not really a surprise that he's starting the preseason game. I think, to be honest with you, he's probably one of the most going to be one of the most intriguing out of all the rookie quarterbacks. I think people are going to want to see him play the most just because of the upside that he could have his athletic traits and to see how he's taking the game and how he's going to develop. And I've said this before, uh, you know, of recent, of late, I think the AFC South uh, definitely has an opportunity in the next couple of years to be the division of the quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at Trevor Lawrence, you look at Ant the potentials, if it does work out well with Anthony Richardson, and then you look at C.J. Stroud, and then, of course, you look at Tennessee, you know, they drafted Levitz out of Kentucky, they're going back with Tannehill. I don't think Levitt sees the field at all this year unless there's an injury. Um, but this could be the division in the next few years that are really the cream of the crop in the quarterback position. Uh, so it doesn't shock me that he's going to get his start this weekend in his first preseason game. Also, Aaron Donald, which some people still believe is the best defensive player in the National Football League, says the Rams have a lot to prove this year based off of their debacle in the 2022 season. Um, I'll give you my thoughts about the Rams. I think they're a very young team. I, they, everybody knows that they've been, you know, strapped cap wise over the years. Um, and I also feel that McVay is only back this year because of their quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford's wife wanted him to call it a day. I think Matthew, the competitor he is, did not want to walk away from the NFL, especially after winning the Super Bowl in his first year with the Rams. I don't think he wanted his NFL career to end with him on the IR. Uh, 
So he's back, and I think all the flirting from the Amazon, the TV offers that McVeigh had, I think he is eventually going to do TV. And I, me personally, now you do have some reports out there saying this young team has rejuvenated him. It's kind of like what we heard back in my backyard in the 210 about Pop and these young guys. I don't know. You know, McVeigh is still young. He just got he got married not too long ago, and he just had his first child, I believe. I don't I don't see him being in my don't know the man probably will never meet the man but just his coaching style and hearing him in front of a mic the last few years you know winning that Super Bowl he just doesn't seem like the type of guy that is going to be your rebuild got type of guy like really going through a hard rebuild like a reset I think he's a guy that is basically going to take one of these TV deals and he's going to become probably the next Bill Cowher He's going to be the hottest. You know, you got to remember with Bill Cowher, I would say it lasted for about at least seven years straight minimum after he left the game that he was probably one of the hottest coaches still candidate every year there was an opening, a job opening. And I think McVay is going to follow in those footsteps that he's going to go to TV after this season, definitely maybe with the next, especially if it's a rough season for him. I think he would go through TV and at that point, I think that he would just sit there and wait. And it would be smart, too, for him to do that. You just wait and keep your name's going to stay hot in the list, hot out there in rotation. And you just wait back to get to that team that's kind of almost there and ready to get over the hump. What do you got? Even at just 37 years old? Yep. I mean, I had a chuckle when you compared Pop, who's what, 74, and his feeling rejuvenated with the Spurs after – uh, twenty five years. Yeah, but go. But I mean, McVeigh. I think what twenty seventeen was the youngest head coach. You got for well to answer your question for that. For one, it's a different, little bit different grind on the NFL and the rebuild than it is in basketball. I mean, basketball, a player here can change your whole your whole trajectory. Um, number one, I would compare it more to go look at John Madden. Go look how go look how old Madden was when he walked away from the game as coaching. He had one Super Bowl title. He was coaching one of the most historic franchises even at that time to come in the Raiders. He was considered a heck of a coach. He still holds as one of the top three, four winning percentages I think of all time. Madden was very young when he walked away. Um, to be honest with you, um, I mean, Bill Cowher really wasn't that old when he decided to call it quits. But I think realistically, John Matt was very young when he decided to walk away. Um, John Gruden, I mean, the time that he totally went to TV instead of that, he wasn't no, I mean, I don't think he was that old. He wasn't that spring chicken. But I think John Matt is the one that comes to my mind that was very young when he walked away. Yes, I don't think age has nothing to do with it. I just think it comes down to, look, he was in very serious talks with Amazon. And I think if you look at the type of money these networks are giving out to coaches, the coaching is a different grind in the NFL. And when you're talking about a rebuild, you've got to have a pay. And if you've already been to the mountaintop and you've got a Super Bowl ring and you accomplished it as one of the youngest coaches to win a Super Bowl, you're in L.A., you've made a ton of money, and you basically are a newlywed and you just had your first child, why not take that? I mean, why not take that approach? It wasn't done the same way, but I saw a guy by the name made in what people considered as one of the GOATs, the most championships ever in NBA history. I've seen him court, orchestrate his career the same way in Phil Jackson. 
Phil Jackson wasn't ever part of no big major rebuild after he got the taste of two three piece in Chicago coaching Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. The closest thing he got even touching his hands on a rebuild was in New York in the front office. And he was falling asleep half the time in the garden on that. They used to troll him on that. So, no, I don't. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, man, Cal, you really think burnout? This, it's not so much a burnout. I just think, like, if you it's a smart move. I'd do it if I was him. I'm not. First of all, they're 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 cash strapped and cap. They haven't had draft capital for years. They're not. Now, they got a Super Bowl out of it. So you, you don't regret that. And at the end of the day, as what we see right now. I mean, yes. They went ahead and drafted, uh, what was my man out of Georgia, just won the national championship with Georgia? Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. I mean, come on, man. The guy was like 30 when the national championship, but I didn't want to say that because it doesn't sound like I'm hating. But at the end of the day, he, they drafted him. But the point is, there's really no future on this roster after Matthew Stafford. So if 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 McVeigh can sit there and go get eight figure money to be on Amazon or a network, and he can constantly think what he's doing every year, there's Black Monday. His name, he owners are going and GMs are going to be reaching out to him. So he gets to pick every year from the best job available that's right there on the cusp that has good cap situation, good ownership, and a quarterback. So why the hell do I want to stick around in L.A. When basically I'm going to be maybe second, third fiddle in the city any damn way behind the Lakers, behind basically the depending on if Otani stays with the Angels or go across the street to the Dodgers, you're competing with that. Oh, and then eventually you would like to think they if there's not this year, they're going to get the coaching situation right in L.A. with the Chargers and they've got Hibbert over there. So I just think it's smart. I, I I don't I don't see I don't see McVay ending his coaching career with the Rams being the only team he coached. If he does that, that means he really has mimicked Coward and he just never comes back. I'm telling you, man, Bill Coward was the hottest coach, free agent coach for seven years straight minimum when jobs would come open. And I start be like, hey, man, he's coming back. He used to be one of my favorite coaches, but he just never came back. Never came back. Eight seven seven. 3-7 grind. Also, what else do we got going on? Let's switch gears a little bit. So Aaron Donald, we'll see. I mean, it's motivated. I mean, he's the best defensive player people still feel. Um, you know, he's threatened retirement over the last couple of years. I thought it was always to get more money. But, hey, if he's motivated, it's a young team. Let's see how competitive they be. I think there's a chance that they're going to be in another one of those teams that's going to be in the Caleb Williams sweet stakes. But we'll see. Don't think Kroenke has it like, hey, man, just down the street, USC, our guy. I don't know how they tank. I don't know how they did it down in San Antonio, but if we could do that in the NFL, get Caleb Williams. Yeah. But how the hell you do that in the NFL? It's really hard to do. Okay, because some of these guys don't give a damn about you trying to get one or two because they, they try to keep a job. Nothing's guaranteed in the National Football League. Keep it moving. Let's cross back over to the college football scene. I told you in the first hour earlier that the ACC talks uh, between Cal and Stanford hit roadblocks, as they say, and the sources are in, in touch with the, uh, the realignment possibilities um, are reporting that the Notre Dame, the Golden Domers, have been pressing to the ACC for them to add Stanford and Cal because again one thing shame on me we've talked about this every day now for over a week I did not even dawn on me or realize that Notre Dame was already part of the ACC for the exceptions of football uh, but I think it makes more obvious sense for them to come over with football and I don't know what the details are on the roadblocks of what's going on. I'm pretty sure it comes down to money um, but this comes down to where 
if I'm and I know if I'm the athletic director and school president for Cal or Stanford. And I understand that, you know, there's embarrassment that has just happened with our conference. And we were the fortunately we were the ones we were the last ones that didn't get invited anywhere. And we're homeless. I would still sit there and enter these negotiations where the ACC is from a standpoint of power, but I still don't see the ACC being that much leverage over these teams as much because they've already got one of their biggest brands barking about leaving, which is Florida State. So I just feel this is the mistake that you know, this is the mistake that I felt the Pac-12 made um, from the get-go. I know we talked to Brent about it yesterday, but I just felt that a lot of time was spent in the TV deal getting and not enough time spent about who are we going to go attract. They let this league just go with I and me, whether, like Brent said, whether they felt that they were just kind of more confident in their product, whatever, it was it was neglect. And, and I just feel that the ACC has to be careful. They don't make that – like, I don't know what the roadblocks are, but I just know that the ACC has to be careful in trying to be two Billy uh, badasses on the block. And if you've got a chance to add Stanford to Cal, especially, you better work because, again, I'm going by the school president and the AD of Florida State. If they say they're leaving, they're leaving. What do you got? Uh, there's a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete – Famel of ESPN is all over it, and I feel like Brandon Judd over at Yahoo Sports has a good breakdown of, on, on, on Famel's reporting and what else is out there. The big part of the roadblocks is is the fact, and we kind of touched on this the other day, about what value does Stanford and Cal really bring the ACC? Okay. Okay, So you're t- and then you're factoring in, again, the travel across country. If you're in the Big Ten... And you're talking about what thirty nine, forty nine million dollar TV deal. Um, that's and you're and you're breaking that down, and that's what each school receives. That that's a whole different story than what the ACC is looking at, and that's, that makes it a little bit easier. And you're talking about brands like that travel, like USC, um, even to an extent UCLA, adding in Oregon. You know, those are brands that travel, and you're okay. Well, does Stanford really travel? And then, no, if you, and, really and, and then if you're on the flip side, you're the ACC outside of Clemson, outside of FSU. Can you travel across country to the West Coast? I would have to think more, but not too much outside of those schools. But the, but it sounds a, like a, to me it's a little bit more difficult, right? And then you factor in too, um, if they were to join, uh, Cal and Stanford are looking at seventy percent of the. Um, of what other teams receive in the ACC in terms of the TV contract deal instead of the full 100. So there's uh, other pieces in there, and I think a, really, a lot of it really comes down to the logistics and the value. Do the two programs bring value? Uh, they, he, uh, the breakdown on Yahoo Sports also looks at the you know, rumors of SMU. Right. right. SMU has said they won't require any money to make the move. They're, they're looking at a longer play. They're saying, hey, being able to move to the ACC in and of itself will have a bigger impact down the road than having than worrying about an immediate cash value now. Yeah. And Pete Thamel citing SMU has the funds to do it, but there's no reporting on whether you know that's really moving either. Well, first of all, I'll speak on the – well, before I get to the SMU part, I'll speak on the part of – 
you know, the aspect of do they travel? Stanford and Cal. Well, where did Washington go to? Where, what Washington went to? Washington and Oregon went to the Big Ten. Oregon travel. Washington don't travel. They don't travel. And geographically, that don't make sense. So I just, my point with, they, they can put all the mumbo jumbo in the in the uh, frost propaganda and the malarkey they want to. At the end of the day, how, how attractive does the ACC look if Clemson and Florida State bolt? See, I believe that the powers of be of the ACC is negotiating this as the ACC, we know it. If the Stanford and Cal ADs and presidents are and lawyers that are involved, if they're smart enough, they would negotiate this from a standpoint is you're going to lose Florida State. And if Florida State leaves, you're going to lose Clemson. So how Virginia, who do you got left? A North Carolina? I mean, I know Mac Brown's over there, but come on. I mean, so the point of it is, is they're trying to negotiate. Well, that you, yes, with Clemson, Florida, okay, you lose those two, you need a Cal and Stanford, and let Notre Dame keep their independency and put them across the football of the contract. I mean, in in, in that way, in the conference. Anyway, what do I know? It's out of my pay grade. I'm just do radio. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. All right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey. Jonas Clark producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show was presented by Dosecchi's. We have been broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. As we know, the summers can get really hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, just only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang's Blazing Bloody Mary Mix mix that is zing zang official sponsor of the sports crowd and don't forget always zing zang responsible
877-337-GRIND. All right. So before we end the last segment of the day as we get ready for the preseason action tonight, a uh, couple other things. So we'll see how that – I mean, again, this is just going to be the ongoing story in college football. I guarantee you when you tune in to game, college game day week one, Herb Street and the rest of the guys, I don't know where they're going to be doing it from. But the opening of the show, this is going to be probably at least the first 20, 30 minutes of the show. Maybe not that long, but at least the first 15. Meaning this is this this realignment situation has really overshadowed everything. I mean, it's overshadowed the Alabama quarterback battle. It's overshadowed can Georgia really do what somebody no one has done before and go three-peat. It's kind of overshadowed. Well, I would say not overshadowed, but it's poured some cold water on Coach Prime and Colorado Buffaloes. So it's been out there. And speaking of Coach Prime, another thing I did have on the docket that I wanted to go into was Urban Meyer, which we just brought up the documentary that's going to be coming out on him in Florida here pretty soon. Everybody's partaking in the Johnny Menzel one now. I haven't started taking I don't think I really want to see that one. Uh, but I do want to see the Jake Paul one, though, because that's interesting. I think when I saw the previews, they say he bought a house. He at eighteen, he had bought a house for like a million and a half, or two million, or three million, or something. It's very stuff like that intrigues me. So YouTube yeah, money, yeah. So I'm definitely going to be watching that documentary. But Urban Meyer, um, he, he he talked to Colin Cowherd, and you know, again, you know, when Dion first got this job, I heard Urban Meyer on the record and saying, "Hey, he's going to flip him. He's going to flip. He's going to do it." He goes, "They're not going to be right away." But probably in his second or third year, he's going to fit the program. He's going to do okay. Well, he got a little bit more specific in guess talking to Colin Cowherd in this interview. Do you have his? Do you have his quotes? I, yeah. What exactly did Urban say? And keep in mind, this is after viewing a practice for uh, the Buffaloes. Go yeah, ahead. he was playing Chucky. He was standing over there on the sidelines. Huh. Uh, he, speaking of Deion Sanders, hired really good coaches. I went to the meetings and I watched the practice. They have, I believe, 70 new players. So I call this thing that grand experiment, and I'm telling you, Colin, uh, that was not what I expected. I didn't know what to expect, but I saw a very good team. I saw talented players, his sons, an excellent quarterback. Um, and he said that if things go well, they'll make some noise in the Pac-12 this year. Um, look, I always say it's about the compliments and the praise you get from your peers. And now Coach Prime is now a coach. Urban Meyer is a he's not currently coaching right now, but he's considered a peer. Um, look, Urban might not know anything about how to run an NFL team or an organization or how to coach on Sundays in the NFL. But the one thing Urban Meyer knows, he knows college football and he knows to look at when he sees talent and winners. Uh, so I think that is very encouraging uh, for Coach Prime. Now, one of the things that he did say, though, in this that Jonas didn't bring up is that the one concern he did say was their depth. He just said that they're not very deep, which makes sense because, again, Dion is just now – he then got a full recruiting class. I mean, he flipped 70 guys through transfer portals. So, again, where's the depth? you got to give him time. But he did say that he was concerned with the depth and that if, he, if they stayed healthy, they could make some noise in the Pac-12. Um, but I think overall, I have a, I mean, to me, I know that this is going to work eventually. I just think that his, his, his platform that he has and, and the, and the competitive juices that prime have, and really the, he has some advantages over 
other coaches that they just can't they can't get they can't match. Um, and if you look at some of the big dogs, um, Kirby's not that old, but I, I mean Dion's youth. I mean Dion's no spring chicken either. But I think Dion, because of his son and because of he was such a transgender, uh, trans, uh, no, not transgender. He was a transitional type of player. A transcendent talent. Transcending talent. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. It has gone generations and generations. And therefore, I feel like he's been able to stay connected to the youth that he is recruiting. And I just feel there. And when you listen to him in his, I mean, in his locker room, hey, he's played my theme music. You know, the old mystical comes in. I mean, there's something to that. I've seen, I've seen Nick Saban go to family reunions and do the cha-cha and line dances around the family of a kid he's recruiting. So it ain't really above even the best ones. But I think with Coach Prime, it's natural. So to me, he's always going to be a recruiting problem. And I think when they land in the Big 12, and you're talking about basically now recruiting, you know, kids in Texas, because the one thing they do not really want is they don't want Coach Prime really sniffing down here the borders of Texas. Okay, they don't. University of Texas don't want that. A&M doesn't want that. Probably even our own coach trailer of UTSA Roadrunners down here in the 210 don't want that. But there's nothing they're going to do to be able to stop it because he is. I mean, I think that's the other thing nobody's talking about is when they go to – he goes to the Big 12 – that recruiting regards the Texas players, even going as far as the Louisiana border, Coach Prime is going to be in that territory. And it's nothing they can do about it. They can do whatever they want to. The Texas can be pissed. They can be whatever, but they ain't going to be able to do nothing to stop them out. They can put all the buoys that they want to and the border and try to protect the border. They can't do nothing. They can call habit. Do it. Ain't nothing. Coach Prime coming. So to me, I think overall, and I'm going, and I know he has his haters just waiting. I know the haters are waiting in the wings and like, oh, that's what he gets. He's 0-4. And I will just remind everybody, go look at how many games the University of Colorado has won in the last three to four years. I think to me, if you want to talk about the expectations, if you're talking about a healthy quarterback and you've got 70 transfers, to me, for year number one, I would say probably at least minimum – to try to get six wins, five to six wins. And the other thing that I think would definitely name it as a successful first year if they become bowl eligible. Now, you can sit there and say, really, Calvin? I mean, there's 100 bowl games. Well, yeah, there's a lot, but make no mistake about it, there's quite a few teams that still don't qualify for a bowl game. But, there, you know, there's nothing like giving, you know, Props or, you know, confidence in such as one of your peers, especially as one of the GOATs and Urban Meyer. And college-wise, he is. NFL was a debacle. College, when Urban talks, you got to listen. He's won everywhere he's went in college football. 877-37-GRIND. All right, a couple things. Uh, switching back um, to the National Football League. A uh, couple other things I know we haven't touched on. Uh, actually, two, really. Um, and you kind of remind me. Henry Ruggs' um, situation. I mean, everybody knows the situation by now. Um, killed an innocent woman and her child. DUI over 100 miles an hour in Vegas. Everybody knows that. He was sentenced this week as well. How, how many years did Ruggs get? 
uh, three to ten years. Now, he was facing up to 20. I don't remember, but he was able to take a plea, pleaded guilty uh, in three to ten years. So three to ten years he got. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, "Yep." He said, "I take full responsibility." Uh, the uh, victim's mother did make a statement through a family member as well. Uh, that the statement was read in court, um, and and even the the judge said this was one of the toughest cases. You know, because uh, he he did have to reference Ruggs's potential that he had. You know, he's twenty uh, twenty four years old still, Henry Ruggs. <laughs> Um, I, I think he's 24 absolutely. or 27, uh, if I recall. Um, and, 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 and he has a whole, whole life ahead of him. Um, you know, maybe within three years. I mean, I don't know if the NFL would ever re- consider reinstatement um, uh, if he gets out any anywhere in that time. Uh, but even, even you know, he served the full sentence. You're coming out in your mid-30s. His actual football career is over. I mean, unfortunately, it's sad to say that the game doesn't wait for anybody. I mean, even if he only served. Now, what's the the stipulations of three to ten? I mean, is it did they say when he's eligible for parole? I mean, I'm thinking that's that's so vague in regards to a three to ten. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know you got good behavior, you got this and that, but even if he does a minimum of three years, um, that would put him at what would be the age that would put him at if he does three years. I believe that puts him at 27 years at 27. that point. 27 years old at that point. Remember, he only played in the NFL for two seasons. No, I know. I, I, I you know, Devonte Smith left training camp to go be there at the sentencing. Uh, they played together at Alabama. Yeah, you know, Eagles wide receiver. Yeah, and he made sure he wanted to be there. Look, man. I mean, it's it's a it's an awful it's an awful decision and an awful mistake. You know, and I'm not going to be here on radio and and try to play judge, jury, and judge him. I mean, it's an awful mistake. And, you know, I know people will say, oh, it's a mistake he chose. He killed. You're right. He made a mistake of getting behind a wheel he shouldn't have. Um, But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think he's going to be forever in prison in his own in his own body because, you know, (laughs) no one needs to tell him that what talent he had or what could have been and, and, and not just the talent, the accolades, but the amount of money that he cost him and his family off of a decision of um, getting behind a fast automobile and going fast and being that intoxicated. Um, what do you got? Of anybody to weigh in on this, it did take place in Las Vegas. Uh, do you want to hear what OJ Simpson had to ha- had to say on this issue? Why would oh you said you would like to hear what do OJ? you want he's oh, commented, he's commented on the, the sentence juice oh OJ what does OJ got it I mean not really but since you brought it up I mean I don't think anybody cares what OJ has to say about this but since you brought it up what? well according to TMZ Sports uh, OJ Simpson said the math just does not add up I know I went to college on a football scholarship but somehow this math is not adding up to me. You're driving a car at roughly 160 miles per hour on a public street and end up killing a girl and her dog, and you get uh, three to ten years, he asked. Uh, He continued to say, you go to a hotel room that you're invited to to retrieve your own personal stolen property. Property I now have because it was ruled to be mine by the state of California, and you get nine to 33 years. 
question mark. Um, he's feeling, it sounds, he's a little salty, uh, feeling that Henry Ruggs got off light for, again, speeding 156 miles per hour, uh, twice the legal uh, um, alcohol limit in Las Vegas, uh, nearly, uh, uh, nearly a point two zero. I mean, look, I don't even know. First of all, there's so many layers. The reason why Juice wants to give his opinion, to be honest with you, I'll get to that shortly. But um, first of all, I don't even know. I mean, I'm not cut from that cloth. I don't even know if I could do six months in jail, let alone three or a year. Uh, pray that I'd never have to um, test that out. But three to ten, I mean, not because the juice said it, O.J. Orenthal, Jay Simpson, not because he said it. But if you take reality, you can't tell me the parents of that that young lady, um, her significant other, her mom, her dad, her grandparent. You can't tell me they think that justice has been served. And so technically a three to ten. Um, no, it's probably too light. I mean, it's a mistake. Um, I know people will label him a killer and because he costed someone his life, but I think there's a case-by-case case of who true killers are in prison and who's not. I think that is a mistake that, unfortunately, especially in the state of Texas, people make daily across this state. And, but but at the end of the day, you got to pay for it, and I think 3 to 10, that that is pretty light. I mean, but, you know, when you got money and Rudd was a first-round pick, I mean, there's some money that's going to pay for some legal fees that are going to get you. Probably if he had a public offender, he's probably going to look at probably more than that, more like 15 to 25 or 30. But to the juice, to Orenthal, first of all, OJ, like I've always been the ones to be like, look, I know what the majority of the nation's perception is of him prior to the verdict on what happened in Brentwood but I've always and you know I'm old enough to know what the country's reaction was when the verdict was read I never forget I will never forget where I was at when that verdict was read we know what the reaction was we know where we're at where we're at with that country with that and it's so crazy we're 2023 and there's still things that show you that everybody takes sides divided so it just makes you wonder will it ever change but i've always said hey oj he didn't write the constitution he didn't write the system and like i said when it was put in in this earth in this country nobody that looked like oj or had the pigmentation of oj was there at that table when the constitution was written and everything so i've always stood like look despite what the evidence said and what it looks like what people think he did the justice system found him not guilty but with all that said since oj wants to go ahead and use the hijack this moment to go on Instagram or Twitter so TMZ can pick it up and say, hey, what? I just went in to get some equipment. You know, first of all, he did fail to realize he had a gun on him. He didn't put that in there. That equipment was his. But OJ, you want to talk about it? There's a lot of people feel that you, if, you know, if Brentwood never happened and you wouldn't have got off and this would have been just you coming to get your USC running jersey number 32 from some memorabilia, uh, you know, guys, maybe you would have got probation. Or two years. You got caught up in the system and so happily a judge in Nevada that was probably alive when all that went down and it's been, as they call it, the trial of the century, they serviced and, and, and ruled on your black ass to give you double for that 30 for what you did back then. So go somewhere, Juice. Oh, OJ. I wonder what they said when you try to show up around Bill's camp. Hey, Josh. Hey, this, come here. You don't tell Oh, hell, hey, OJ. This is a guy that came out with a book, If I Did It. Come on, man. 
OJ got to chime in on everything. Phil Nicholson, man, Billy Walters have spoken. $100 million reportedly Phil has lost in gambling over the years. And the other report that's in Billy Walters' book, Phil tried to wager $400,000 on the Ryder Cup team years ago to bet in the Ryder. Look, if you follow Billy Walters, which I have over the years, and you, you follow the bet sporting community, we knew this was coming. I knew this was coming, and I was waiting for it. Matter of fact, I was probably going to go out and get this book. Okay. Um, karma's a hell of a thing. Keeps me up nightly sometimes. I believe in it. And the thing with Phil, Phil's testimony and lack of testimony helped send Billy Walters to prison for some years. I believe Phil knew exactly what he was doing on the inside trading thing. And all he had to do was testify, and he didn't. He left him out of dry. And why? Because Phil was worried about protecting his image, his sponsors, and his endorsers at that time on the PGA. So he chose not to participate in the trial. Okay, Billy Walters carries a big, big name. When somebody gives him a book deal, he's going to tell all. And if you connect the dots... Because when we first, when Liv first came out and Phil was the first, second one to go over there besides Greg Norman, he was actually the first big player to sign on. And the reports were $100 million or whatever he got. A lot of people that have been following this automatically pointed to, is this some gambling stuff that Phil's involved with? Is he involving owing some people, um, some bad people? And there's been rumors out there of money. And there you go, this comes out. And it's been well documented on tour. People know that Phil has been a heavy gambling and Borderline has a gambling problem. So... It's out there in all major publications today. You'll hear more about it as we go on. But old lefty, old lefty. All right, man, that is a wrap for today. Special thanks to the producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in the Maha City in Denver, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, and people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down in Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you, the snooze button, and for you out the rack, just ask yourself. You grinded. Peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, Shout! 
Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here.